there. You are listening to Big Tent Radio here on Radio Boise. That was Glitter on the Roses by our buddies Flack and the Enforcers. We are so grateful to them for uh, recording our theme music. I'm really excited about the show today. My name is Jen Schneider. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, Charlie Hunt, and we have two fantastic guests today. We have Dr. Jeff Lyons, who's the survey director and also a professor of political science in the School of Public Service at Boise State. And he's joined by Dr. Greg Hill, who's the director of the Idaho Policy Institute, professor of public policy and administration at Boise State. Um, we're all colleagues at Boise State. Super excited to have you here. You're going to be talking with us about the Idaho Public Policy Survey, which I like to refer to as IPS. <laughs> do you ever do that? I like that. Yeah, okay. You that. should try it. You should get some T-shirts printed up, maybe some bumper stickers. Idaho Public Policy Survey, if you've been paying attention at all to any local news the past few weeks, you have seen the survey mentioned a bunch of times in relation to a bunch of stories. And so we're here to have you two, who are in charge of the survey, talk to us about the survey and its significance. So tell us a little bit about what makes the survey unique and why it's important here in Idaho. Well, thanks, Jen and Charlie. It's great to be here. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about IPS, my new favorite acronym. (laughs) The Idaho Public Policy Survey is a tool that we use, uh, that we we created to be a resource for decision makers. When we initially came up with this idea, we decided that we wanted to have a tool that legislators, decision makers, media, whoever, could use to make decisions uh, about policy areas around the state in general uh, that's not biased in any direction one way or the other. The, the survey is uh, about 50 questions or so with different policy topics, different policy areas, and we simply ask the questions. And then we provide the data to whoever wants to use it, and they can interpret it however they feel like interpreting it. It's a tool that we, we love, and we really appreciate the opportunity to be able to share it around the state. This is We've done it for five years now, Jeff, I think, and um, it just keeps getting sort of growing faster and faster every year. So, Jeff, it's a nonpartisan survey. How do you come up with the questions that you're going to ask or think about which policy areas you're going to um, get people to ask, answer questions on? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it, it's absolutely a nonpartisan survey. We don't have any sort of uh, policy leanings or agendas that we're trying to push with this. Our, our primary goal, like Greg said, is to be a resource to decision makers. So what we do is we kind of have two different parts of the survey. We have uh, a group of questions that we've been asking sort of every year. Year, uh, and we just keep asking them to kind of measure general changes that are going on. But we also have a group of questions that we try to tailor to sort of questions that decision makers or people in the community have about problems that they're facing, uh, things where maybe some public opinion data could be helpful. So uh, every year before we do both of our surveys, we uh, reach out to elected officials, people in the community around different themes and different kinds of topics. Um, so we've done, you know, themes on education, uh, growth. We've looked at transportation, housing, uh, issues like this. Last year's Idaho statewide survey had a battery on criminal justice reform, things like this. So we do a large reach out kind of to see what sorts of things people are interested in and what kinds of topics they could use data on. Do you find that, uh, you know, legislators and policymakers are using this data and when they, you know, they're they're asking for certain types of questions to be asked or batteries of, of questions, do you find that they're using this kind of data uh, in interesting ways in terms of their, their policy making? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, we, we are seeing uh, more and more as, as the survey gets more uh, history to it, we're seeing legislators are more likely to use it. Um, 
before it gets released publicly, we do briefings with legislators beforehand. And, um, you know, when, when we sit down with them and they look at it, they're like, this, this is the exact data we're looking for, whether it's a tax-based data or if it's a, um, some other policy they're looking at, it's another, it's another piece of the story that they can tell that they otherwise couldn't tell. You know, we asked a question this year, what a legislator wanted to know about um, uh, the initiative process. You know, should we make it more difficult? Is it, you know, so he was having people come and talk to him about it. You know, we think, you know, you need to make the initiative process more difficult. So we thought we'd just ask the question. And then he's able to take that data and use it as he frames whatever story he's going to tell about the initiative process and whether or not it actually gets traction this year. Yeah, I think that, you know, <clears throat> building on that, one of the things that we see here in Idaho, especially, is there is sort of a lack of publicly available survey data. And so we, our hope is that we can help to, at least in some capacity, fill that void and provide some level of public opinion data so that elected officials and policymakers aren't just leaning on sort of the phone calls and emails that they get to form their impressions of public opinion or the folks they talk to in the community because we know that there can be different kinds of tendencies to those sorts of groups. So our hope is to sort of grab representative groups across the state and the Treasure Valley. Something that your comments reminded me of that I think is so such an interesting part of sort of Idaho political culture is that we have what's called a citizen legislature. So these are folks who do this for a couple of months out of every year in a in an official capacity. They they're not like highly populated states where they have large staffs who are working on sort of crunching data all year long and writing policy briefs and that sort of thing. So maybe in some ways they are a little more reactive to sort of their noisiest constituents. And it seems like what Greg, you do with the Idaho Policy Institute and what both of you do with this survey is step in and actually provide some longer term data and broader perspective on these issues. Is that sort of how you see this functioning or one of the ways you see this functioning? Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, one of the interesting challenges with being a legislator in Idaho is that you do your you do it part time. And the Idaho legislature doesn't have very many full time staff. And they they definitely don't have staff that can look specifically at small policy areas where they need more information. And so when we sort of regenerated this, the surveys a couple of years ago, that was really our focus was, like, you, we know that you don't have access to the type of information. The, the access to the information doesn't even exist, like Jeff said. So let's be a tool. Let's be a, a resource for you. And then you can use it however you see fit. Um you know, me- media outlets are using it when when they're trying to you know t- frame their stories, and so uh, and it and it doesn't just happen for the sort of the two or three weeks around the session that people are picking up along the way because the the policy areas are so interesting and they show up at different times of the year and you know right now we may not be that focused on salmon and breaching the dams or whatever, but six months from now something might come up. And they might be interested in that. So they can go to all of our surveys, which we have all of them online, and they can look up what you know public opinion is around those particular issues. How have those topics uh, changed? Over, how, remind us how long you've been doing this survey and, and how those topics maybe have changed uh, over time? Or have you seen some consistency in terms of the kinds of policies you're looking at? 
Um, yeah, it's a great question. So we, we've been doing the, the statewide survey for five years now and the Treasure Valley survey for four years now. And there are definitely some common themes across all of them. So one of the things we'll talk about is that uh, you know education has for that entire time been a big topic of conversation across the state. Um, so we have always asked a number of questions about education, uh, for example. But there have been these unique things that come up. So Greg mentioned that we had a legislator who was interested in the initiative process. That just became a topic kind of out of nowhere in the last legislative session, um, and they wanted some statewide data, so we crafted a question, we asked it, we presented it, and you know they, they can do what they would like with that information. So it really kind of is a mixed bag. You know, we, we have asked about, for example, salmon and dams a couple of times. Um, so there are some common themes and some common threads. Every year, we ask about budgets and taxation and things along those lines that are just always going to be issues. And, and we always, but before each one, we sit down with legislators or just, you know, we, we sit down with mayors or people in the community and say, what are the issues that are coming up? We want to be helpful. Um, we're not trying to drive the agenda at all. We, we will sit down with them and say, you know, what do you see are the issues coming up? Maybe it's property tax. Maybe it's, you know, um, religious freedoms. Maybe it's you know, uh, growth, whatever it is. And then we are able to craft questions that can help inform those decisions that are coming up. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear about the results of this year's statewide public policy survey. So um, there's some really interesting um, data that came out of the survey. Stay tuned for those results. We'll be right back. KRBX 89.9 FM, Caldwell, Boise, community radio for Boise and beyond. You're listening to Big Tent Radio. I'm your host, Jen Schneider. I'm here with my co-host, Charlie Hunt. And we're here with our special guests this week, Dr. Jeff Lyons and Dr. Greg Hill. Both of you um, help administer the uh, statewide Idaho Public Policy Survey for the Idaho Policy Institute and the School of Public Service at Boise State. Thanks so much for being here. As promised, we're going to start to get into some of the results from the survey. And um, boy, if you're following the headlines this week at all, you know that education has been a really hot topic at the uh, Idaho legislature this week. Lots of discussion about standards, for example. And then I think an issue that's been top of mind for, boy, almost everybody I talk to, and that's property taxes. And you have some really interesting results in both areas to share with us from the survey. Yeah, let, let's start with education. Uh, this is something that people care passionately about. <laughs> the And our, we've asked this same education question for the past, uh, since 2016 when we started the survey. And the question is around the quality of public education. So we asked people, how would you rate the quality of education, uh, education in Idaho's K-12 public schools? And maybe maybe not too much of a surprise, but very few people rate it as excellent. You know, in the four, you know, from three and a half to four percent. But generally, people will rate it as fair, uh, to some degree good. But this year, the poor responses passed up the good responses. We have a nice trend analysis you can see online on what that looks like. What interesting way, another interesting way to look at education, though, is to ask people how they think about education in their district. Because part of people's sort of trends in their world is to say it's 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 worse out there than it is close to home and so when we ask them we ask the same question but say um you know think about the how would you rate the quality of k-12 public schools in your district we see that the excellence slide up a little people are a little bit more or generally more positive about the quality of their education in their own district um there's a section in there uh, the poor people who say it's reported as poor is about 19 percent 
But what's interesting of that group, that 28% of parents view it as poor compared to 15% of those who don't have children under the age of 18. So what we're seeing in this data is that um, while more people think their educational, um, the education in their district is better than it is at the state level, people who have kids in their district, in, 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 in the district, think that it's even worse off. So 28% of those parents view it as poor. So that's an interesting sort of thing that we've been able to tease out of the data. We ask a lot of demographic questions, and we're able to look at them at different, in different groupings. And so while generally people think it's, you know, 18% say it's poor, people with kids in school think it's really poor. Well, I mean, those are really complex results, right? So on the one hand, I could guess, oh, well, of course people know education is an issue. It's on the agenda. They hear the news about poor funding for education in Idaho, the struggles teachers are having, sort of crumbling rural school districts, that sort of thing. And so they develop a negative perception in their mind in the abstract. But then when they think about, oh, my child's third grade teacher is great and he's actually doing pretty well in school. And so somehow that elevates those results. But then on the poor end of things, they're having that one-on-one -on -one interaction or that um, actual personal experience with the school can also increase your negative perception. Yeah, it seems like, like a, a parent may have a different sort of level of visceral response to that question. Um, and that could be you know what, whatever that experience is, they're they're because they're intimately involved with the funding ex experience or with the uh, you know their teachers or whatever it is um, that there's maybe there's not enough funding, there's not enough you know extracurricular activity. It's hard for my kid to have the experiences I want them to have, and so when you're when you're in it, it the perception is a little bit different than if you are say you know someone who doesn't have kids in school at this moment and you know it looks like things are going okay. So those are. That's one of the values, I think, of doing this type of research is you're able to dig a little deeper and get a, a more nuanced perspective of what education in Idaho is all about. Do you have a sense of whether, you know, that that varies in terms of sort of, uh, you know, geographic area or age or any of these other interesting kind of demographic variables? I know you mentioned you sort of, you, you sort of cut up the data in a lot of interesting ways to try and get an interesting sample. In terms of education, do you notice any interesting differences between different types of groups? That's a great question. You know, one of the interesting things in this survey, and, and I'm somebody who finds, you know, geographies very, very interesting, is actually that we don't see a ton of geographic variation across the state. Um, across the state, education is, you know, one of the top concerns, regardless of where you live. Um, and we don't actually see that perceptions of quality are too much different across across places. Um, you asked about other other groups. One of the most sort of prominent uh, demographic predictors of your perceptions of education actually is age. And, and the story there being that older older residents of Idaho tend to perceive of the quality of education as being better. Younger residents tend to have a more pessimistic view. I also wondered that about the property tax issue, was, which was another issue that you have results from the survey on, which it seems to me d is disproportionately impacting older people, maybe who've paid off their mortgage, they purchased a home at a very affordable price 20, 30 years ago, and now they're getting sort of gigantic property tax bills. And I know it's certainly on legislators' minds and on voters' minds. So um, what do you have from the survey that might help us understand that issue a little bit better? Yeah, so it's, you know, it's interesting. 
On the statewide survey, we ask these general questions about taxation. So we, we always start by saying, do you think taxes are generally too high, too low, or about right? And one of the interesting things is that Idahoans are generally pretty satisfied with their level of taxation. We have about 60% say their taxes are about right. What we did see this year, though, was a little uptick in the number who said taxes are too high. Um, it wasn't huge, but it is disproportionately amongst older Idahoans. And so I think that's probably what we're picking up on is perhaps some of this property tax uh, issue. So in our survey this year, we had about 26, 27% said that taxes were too high in the state of Idaho. And maybe not surprisingly, only 7 or 8% said taxes were too low. Um, so there's not a whole lot of appetite for tax increases, but there does maybe seem to be a bit of a, a growing desire for perhaps some tax decreases. Um, the challenge for legislators, however, is that simultaneously, uh, the most common response to a question we had about the Idaho state budget was that the budget should be increased, right? So, so uh, the, the most frequent response was increase the budget. Um, but there aren't a whole but lot of folks. But not through taxes. Yeah, not through taxes. So uh, we need to print our own currency. Right? Big yeah. sales. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, and we, you know, one of the one of the things that the Idaho Policy Institute does is we work with communities and do research projects on on issues like this. And we just finished a, a a project with the city of Boise, a big comprehensive analysis of property taxes in Boise, and and to nobody's surprise, this is a very very complicated issue. Uh, and the legislature right now is really looking for policy alternatives that can help relieve that burden. And it's just one of these challenges that I think will is only going to continue to get worse. Next year on our survey, we're going to ask some property tax specific questions. We're going to talk about some of the policy alternatives. If they decide to implement them, this, the legislature decides to implement, we'll, we'll ask about those. And so, yeah, this is one of these very complicated issues that we're trying to deal with. Thanks so much. We are talking with Jeff Lyons, who's the survey director for um, the School of Public Service at Boise State, and Dr. Greg Hill, who's the director of the Idaho Policy Institute, about the Idaho Public Policy Survey. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'd like to hear more about results having to do with a really hot topic here in the Treasure Valley, which is growth. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Casey Campbell. You're listening to Radio Boise, KRBX 89.9 FM. Welcome back to Big Tent Radio here on Radio Boise. We are uh, so pleased to have a couple of great guests with us here today. Dr. Jeff Lyons, who's a professor in political science at Boise State. Dr. Greg Hill, professor in public policy and administration, both administrators of the Idaho Public Policy Survey. And Greg, you're also director of the Idaho Policy Institute, um, which hosts the survey every year. I'm excited to hear the results from the statewide survey uh, on growth. I've been working with the city of Boise, as you know, on this issue. It's top of the agenda here in the Valley, but I wondered if there were sort of interesting statewide results that you could underscore for us. Yeah, I mean, this is this is such an interesting problem here in Boise uh, in general, but in the state as a whole. I mean, we're seeing a tremendous amount of in-migration from primarily our surrounding states, but also from California. And so it, you're right, Jen, it's top of mind for everybody. And when we first started asking questions about growth, we asked a question about, um, do you think that we're growing too fast, too slow, or about right? And in 2016, when we started asking this question, there was about 50% said too fast and 45% said about right. But when we asked this question, the most recent iteration of this question, it was 75% said that we're growing too fast. Oh, that's a huge jump. Wow. It is huge in, 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 just, in just four or five years. And so... 
and it's being manifest as we drive on our roads or as we try to get through a restaurant or something or whatever it is. And so we're, what we're finding is that people are really concerned about this. And when we think about it, we ask people specifically about different growth areas they're concerned about. One of those, the, the most, the area they're most concerned about is congestion, traffic congestion, um, which should be a surprise to nobody. But the second one that they're most concerned about is the increased cost of living. This, uh, again, this circles back to the property tax problem, overcrowding in places that you visit, to some degree the effect on the environment. And so growth is, has been a driver and something we're really concerned about all over the state. The Treasure Valley specifically, but all over the state as well. I think there's a really interesting tension that emerges as cities like Boise, Meridian, Nampa, Star, try to figure out how to accommodate that growth. And that's the tension between local government and state government. And local governments are really casting around trying to figure out what tools they have that might be available in order to address growth meaningfully to pay for growth. And one of the things that has been talked about is the local option tax. So Jeff, I wonder if you would talk a little bit about what that is and any results from the survey on that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This has been discussed widely as as one of the most promising ways that local governments would like to try to fund some of the challenges associated with growth. So a local option tax would essentially be if a city decided they wanted to raise revenue to pay for something like perhaps expanded public transportation or road and bridge improvements or something along those lines, they would go to the voters and ask for a several percentage point, perhaps uh, sales tax increase or something like this. And that money would then be dedicated uh, to one of those different kinds of projects. And this is a very common way for local governments across the country to fund these kinds of projects to grapple with growth. Uh, here in Idaho, however, the, the state legislature has um, essentially prevented most towns and cities from doing this. So there are a couple of exceptions for our, it's essentially our ski resort towns, very small towns, um, who have been able to do this. But otherwise, um, for example, the city of Boise could not hold a vote on this even if they wanted to. So we've been asking two, a couple different kinds of questions about this. One is, would the public support being able able to vote on this. And the other is, okay, if you were able to, would you actually vote in favor of it? And we've really consistently over our four or five years we've been doing this, seen that the public is a, a, a non-trivial majority is supportive of being able to vote. So usually like low 60% range want to be able to at least hold a vote. Um, when we move to saying, would you actually vote in favor? First of all, it's a much more difficult survey question because we're proposing a hypothetical that doesn't really exist. But we actually see that at least in that hypothetical world, we usually get kind of around 50%, 45 to 50%. Say they might be willing to for something like a public transportation improvement or road and bridge improvements. Do you think that connects directly to this increase in the number of citizens who are concerned about growth, who are, you know, they, they're concerned, they see these increase, you know, these changes happening every day and, you know, maybe therefore they are, you know, we were just talking about taxes and how, you know, no one wants their taxes raised, but citizens do seem to want to do something about this or maybe have the power to do something about this. Do you, do you sort of see that as a connection that's happening? 
I absolutely do. Uh, you know, so when we, like Greg mentioned, when we are asking about concerns related to growth, it has always been traffic congestion is number one. And so I do think that we're seeing these connections made. I will also say we have seen sort of people's receptiveness to saying they would vote in favor of this go up a little bit over time. Now, we've asked the question a little bit differently every year, so we can't make a nice comparison over time. But this year in the Treasure Valley, for example, we had uh, 55 to 60 percent actually saying they would support a local option tax in their uh, town or city to pay for either public transportation or road and bridge improvement. So I absolutely think that they're linked. It's going to be interesting to watch the sort of conflict over that develop at the state house in the coming years. I think one of the most interesting results from your survey has to do with who is moving here, who is fueling the growth. I think there is a widespread perception that it's Californians, of course. We've talked a lot about that on this show, but also that it might be liberal Californians. I think there's a sort of stereotypical narrative that gets constructed about that. Who is actually moving here? What do we know as a result of your survey? Yeah, th- this was um, this was one of our favorite findings in that it was a it was surprising to the extent that uh, the results matched nothing that we thought they were going to match. So what we what we asked was you know party identification, political you know um, uh, political ideology, and so we ask these questions all the time. And this year we've asked people where how long they've lived here, where they moved from, and we're able to sort of link those things together. And what we find is that the people who are moving here look exactly like the people who already live here. For example, um, people who are moving to the Treasury, in fact, they're, they're slightly more Republican than people who are already here. So roughly 50% of the respondents who've lived, moved here in the past 10 years say they're Republican, while people who've lived here for more than 10 years, um, 46% respond as Republican. But you can see it almost any way we divide it. So it really addresses that narrative that we hear a lot in Boise or in Idaho, which is there's there's two narratives. Either people are moving and bringing their liberal ideas from California or California is too liberal for them. So they're moving to Idaho. And what, it's really the second one that we're seeing that people who are more conservative or self-selecting. And we can actually when we look at it, we see we look at it from in Boise. It looks a little the, the, the Republican or the Democrats match themselves pretty well. People in Meridian match themselves pretty well, so they report a little bit more conservative in Meridian than they do in Boise. And so you you see um, this, I don't know what the best way to say it, self-selection. People are moving here because they're they're moving to places where people are, are like them. And Jeff, it feels like that confirms sort of areas of study that you've been interested in for a long time as a political scientist. Does it jive with your understanding of trends? Yeah, absolutely. There's been this discussion and this argument that essentially this self-selection is taking place, this sorting uh, on political and partisan characteristics, especially as the country gets more polarized and partisanship becomes this more ingrained identity that people carry with them. Uh, we It's probable that these kinds of things are going to continue and maybe even increase a little bit. But this absolutely kind of uh, jumps on to, uh, you know, a non-trivial research in, in, in political science that, I mean, Charlie's uh, a part of as well. We only have a few seconds left, but could you talk about how legislators have viewed those results about who's moving here? Have you had any surprise reactions or... Uh, you know, the Republican legislators certainly smile about it. Uh, it, it, does, it tells a story where basically if the state is going to change politically, you shouldn't expect it to happen from growth. 
So some people look at this and say, oh, well, then Idaho's never going to change from being a, a majority Republican state. Um, that's not necessarily true. It still could happen, but it would be in other ways. Um, it could be, for example, if younger voters become much more Democratic, it could happen. But don't expect it to come from people moving here. Um, and probably, you know, don't don't think that there's a wave of liberal Californians showing up. So all you blue girls in red states, it's going to be like that for a little while longer. <laughs> Hang in there. All right. Well, so, Greg, if people want to actually see the results of the survey for themselves or look you up at the Idaho Policy Institute, how can they do that? Sure. The uh, our, You can simply, if you want to just get access to the survey, you can just, you can Google Idaho Public Policy Survey. You can find it. The Idaho Policy Institute is on Boise State's website, um, boisestate.edu slash SPS slash IPI. And uh, we've got all the surveys that we've done, both Treasure Valley statewide. We also have some of our other work on that page if you want to take a look at that. Uh, not only just the, the report, but we have the, all the data. So if you're interested in getting your hands dirty a little bit, if you're a bit of a data wonk, you're going to find many, many enjoyable hours buried in the Idaho Policy Institute's website. Great. Fascinating stuff. Uh, we want to thank uh, Greg Hill and Jeff Lyons for joining us today and talking about their fantastic survey. Uh, stay tuned. Up next is the amazing, awesome new podcast, uh, Common Lands, here on KRBX 89.9 FM Caldwell, Boise.